Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. numbers i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter it is tuesday morning as we once again get into the player breakdowns for nuggets numbers been having a good time with these it's been a good time just reflecting on the season seeing how every player did over the course of the season because if you you know now today is april 21st it's basically 40 days out from where we were when the season was officially canceled, uh, you you forget a lot in, in the span of just 40 days. So it's been good going back through these numbers, just refamiliarizing yourself with as much of this data as possible, trying to figure out, okay, what exactly did happen over the course of that season? Lots of crazy things happened. Players were in and out of the lineup. It's been therapeutic, on honestly, just going back through all of this and seeing just exactly what players were doing. So in this episode, we're going to break down Tory Craig. It's probably not going to be as long of an episode as some of the other ones, but that's okay. Tory Craig has an interesting role on this team. He was battling for minutes with Michael Porter Jr. almost the entire season. He won that battle on more than one occasion, and he was definitely Michael Malone's go-to guy as the small forward off the bench. He even started games when Will Barton went down, when Gary Harris went down. Torrey Craig was definitely the next guy up in that rotation. So it'll be interesting to go back through these numbers and and tell you guys raw numbers, strengths and weaknesses, where Torrey Craig ranks in the league, uh, what his shot profile looks like, what they what I think he would look like in a playoff setting, and then what I think his future looks like for Denver. So let's get into it. Uh, player breakdown on Tory Craig. Okay, let's start with the raw numbers. Strengths and weaknesses for Tory Craig. He was a, among 31 qualified backup small forwards that I could find. I go through these players manually through basketball reference, try to pick out every single player that I can that makes the cut at least 600 minutes, at least a certain number of games. Uh, 31 guys qualified in that they played most of their time as the small forward and didn't start the requisite number of games to qualify as a starter. I think that that's probably the the best place to go in paring down where exactly Torrey Craig ranks in this category, so let's get into it. Minutes per game, he averaged 17.4 minutes per game out of 31 qualified small forwards that ranked 22nd, so bottom third. Points per game, he averaged 5 per game, 5.0, tied for 27th. Assists per game, 0.7, tied for 27th. 
Rebounds per game was 3.1. That was all the way up to 15th. Uh, based on his minute totals, based on his per game averages, you would expect his points, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks to all be around that 22nd minutes per game number just because in his role, he's kind of a complementary player. You don't expect those guys to have a lot of counting stats. But Torrey Craig did a really good job on the boards. He filled it up, averaged 3.1 per game. That ranked 15th. Pretty good number. And his rebounding rate, of course, would be much higher in terms of the, the general small forwards. I think that was in the top 10. Uh, steals per game, pretty low. I was pretty surprised to see this. He was at 0.4 steals per game. Tied for 23rd in the NBA, right in line with his minutes. And then blocks, he was at 0.6, so that was tied for second. Most of the small forwards, especially backup small forwards, have really downsized. I found a lot of guys were in the 6'4 the to 6'7 range. Wesley Wundu was 6'8, but most of the guys that I found, let's see if there was anybody actually taller than 6'7. It was just Porter and Kyle Anderson, who spends a lot of time at power forward anyway. Uh, most of those guys, Cam Johnson was at 6'8", but he was in the he was at a power forward. The backup small forward position, for the most part, has really downsized to guys that are in the 6'4", the to 6'6", to 6'7", range. You can usually get away with three guards, and because of that, that makes Torrey Craig's size. He's at 6'6", he's a thick 6'6", he's very stocky and that built very strong. His size isn't really an issue and he makes up for that with a lot of his hustle. He makes up for that with his athleticism and the blocks really show that. He has great timing. He's obviously done a really good job of taking shots when he's defending a guy one-on-one. -on -one. He'll block their shot at the rim off the backboard, uh, kind of taking it to the rim or taking it to the backboard LeBron James style. He would do that all the time. John Wall would do that a lot too when he was in his his youthful prime. Uh, those guys were really good at doing that and giving the opposing team a, a decent step or the opposing player a decent step and then closing very quickly. Torrey Craig did that a lot against guys like Russell Westbrook and Kemba Walker and Damian Lillard and, and some of the elite players out there. He was really good in, in that situation. So credit to him where credit is due. That doesn't always show up in the raw numbers, but blocks per game among qualified backup small forwards, it shows up very clearly. Moving to the percentages, he was at in his two-point percentage, he was at 60.6%. That ranks third among 31 qualified backup small forwards. So very good, very elite. I will say definitely a little bit more tailored to the types of shots that he takes. Most of that is transition and on offensive rebounds. Those are obviously going to be very efficient metrics. I don't know if he's necessarily doing a lot of stuff off the dribble. And he's, I mean, I know he's not. He's definitely not doing that. That's not his role. Uh, he'll get cuts from Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap and Tory and Mason Plumlee and guys like that. Uh, but more often than not, his shots are coming from offensive rebounds and transition. At least at the basket. And then three-point range is the real kicker. He was at 33% on the year. That ranked 19th out of 31 guys. Decidedly below average. Definitely not where you want to see that from 
a team that desperately needed shooting this past year in Denver. Uh, Torrey Craig certainly didn't help that. He wasn't a guy who could space the floor out all the way when, when Denver needed it. That really showed up in the shot profile. Um, he was extremely 3 and D heavy in his shot profile. A lot of threes, a lot of shots at the rim. Normally, that's what you want to see from your complementary players. The problem, of course, is that if you can't hit those outside shots, it makes it less valuable. 3 and D guys only necessarily work if they're hitting those shots. That's one of the reasons why Gary Harris really struggled this past year. He wasn't able to create off the dribble for himself. He wasn't really able to be the off-ball threat because teams didn't respect his jumper. And Denver's offense wasn't that potent when he was out there and when he was featured as a complimentary player because they could sag off of him. The same was basically the same for Torrey Craig. Uh, He was even worse. He shot 33% from three, but the shots that he took were almost entirely wide open or open. Uh, He attempted 109 threes on the year. 98 of those were open or wide open. And what that says to me is that in relatively contested situations, teams know that Torrey Craig isn't going to shoot. Only 11 of his threes were attempted in open or wide open situations. And I have a feeling a lot of those were contested because they were a late shot clock or or they were at the end of a quarter or something like that. Uh, that's a, that's kind of a tough thing for Denver to deal with if they want Torrey Craig to be around as a small forward for the long term. If you can't space the floor from that position, it's very hard for the Murray-Jokic two-man game, the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll, uh, for off-ball cutters to really get free. If you want to play Torrey Craig with a cutter, then he has to be able to space the floor in contrast with that. If he can't do that, then it kind of bogs down the entire offense. If defenses aren't going to respect him, they're going to clog the lane. They're going to make sure that he's in a position where it's just unfortunate for him that he's in he's basically to blame for a lot of a lot of those issues just because if the defense has an extra defender to deal with uh, to allow to contest those shots at the rim, to hunt shots in the paint, to kind of play off of him and trust that the that Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray isn't going to throw that pass to Torrey Craig in that contested situation, then it it slows everything down. It bogs everything down. And that's tough. That's a that's a really tough place for Denver to be right now. They need a floor spacer. And if he can't shoot or chooses not to shoot in those relatively contested situations, then teams aren't going to respect that from a shooting perspective. If you only ever shoot when you're wide open or open, then teams are going to sag more and more off of you, knowing that the worst that can happen is they get a 33% shot from three. And that's fine. Teams will live that. That's not dangerous. That's not threatening. If he's shooting 37% in those situations, it's a little bit different. He'll he'll be treated completely different as a shooter. But the fact is, is that that just hasn't happened so far. 
He does a really good job of keeping his man honest. As I talked about, he he cuts frequently, goes for those offensive rebounds, has some really good plays, some really good kind of uh, taking out the trash, garbage man type plays where he mucks things up, really makes things difficult for the opposition and is just annoying almost. And he, he grabs some clutch offensive rebounds. He made a, a great cut in the Game 7 last year against the San Antonio Spurs that helped Denver maintain a lead. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were really struggling, but Torrey Craig had a really well-placed off-ball cut. Jokic found him, and it helped the Nuggets go up by four in a game where they really needed all the points they could get. Actually, it may have been up six. I don't remember. But, I mean, it was late in the fourth quarter of a game seven, so it can work, but that doesn't happen if defenses don't respect your jumper. It's, it's very difficult to get those kind of cuts if teams are always sagging off of you like that. So it was less valuable this year than it was in past seasons. Denver had a guy in Michael Porter Jr. who could shoot the lights out from three but didn't really get all of that many opportunities. Uh, I'm interested in seeing how that develops because there's a clear divide there between the defensive value that Torrey Craig clearly has is a guy who can defend those star-type ball handlers and a guy like Porter who, I mean, for all intents and purposes, is just the better player. He's the more talented player. He's key to Denver's future and possibly their their long-term plans and who they could be as a team. Torrey Craig is a role player. He's, he's in that position where he fits that role that Denver needed for getting into the playoffs and making sure that they were at least a competent playoff team. But there's only so much that player type can do. The advanced metrics bear that out as well. Real plus minus from ESPN has him in the negatives. He's 57th among the listed small forwards. Box plus minus has him 19th among those backup small forwards that I listed. Uh, Basically what these numbers are saying about Craig is that he only had two top 10 finishes in any raw, in any raw statistic, and that two-point percentage, as I talked about, it's very selective shot-making and shot-taking. Defense is definitely underrated by the raw numbers, but overall, it's just not as valuable. It's not valuable enough to overcome the need for offense, the need for a guy that can keep the ball moving and, and make plays when it comes to him. These guys are like Justin Holiday, Mikhail Bridges, Derek Jones Jr., Porter, the aforementioned Michael Porter Jr., Kyle Anderson, Kyle Korver, Alec Burks, Cam Johnson, Trevor Ariza, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Uh, there are several other, uh, not several other guys, but a couple other guys that I would list there too. Tory Craig's more in a tier that's like of specialists, of guys that don't necessarily play a regular role they're just more out there for what they provide at that needed basis and to me that makes him an average to slightly below average backup small forward at this stage it's tough but the offense is just it's so important to every position on the floor you can play five on five defense and other people can make up for some of your lackings for some of your mistakes that's that's very real like defense is a team game but so is offense and if one of those cogs can't shoot if one of those cogs just isn't a threat from the perimeter from 
generating his own offense, from generating offense from others, then it's really tough to form a solid to elite offensive unit. And I think the Nuggets are really going to start figuring that out when Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are the only guys who can really create offense for themselves. Uh, Will Barton, to some extent, could, could do that, but it's very limited beyond that. And so having guys like Torrey Craig is important when you have a number of creators, but with Jokic being the unique player that he is, He's not a dribble creator. He's not like Murray or Barton where he can break a guy down off the dribble, can run a standard set like a pick and roll, and then find the open guy, whether he's in the corner, he's cutting, he's uh, up on the opposite wing. Uh, There are a lot of ways to be an impactful offensive player that Craig could continue to do, but he has to get that three-point shot up, so... Until he does, he's kind of in that average to below average tier, and that's not a place where you want to be because it's it's honestly it's a place where you're very replaceable. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about Craig's game and how it translates, and then what I think the Nuggets are going to do with Torrey Craig going forward because they don't have a lot of money on the books, and I think that changes could be coming their way. We'll be right back. back nuggets numbers ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh had a good time last week really doing the the finishing touches on the nuggets greats bracket nicole Jokic won i i don't really feel great about that because even as big of a fan of nicole Jokic as i am i think he will go down as the best player in nuggets history i think he's probably the most talented player in nuggets history right now at least the most impactful for winning, for sure. Uh, but he doesn't have the longevity. He doesn't have the overall team success needed to really break into that conversation over guys like Alex English and David Thompson and even Carmelo Anthony right now. Like It's, it's not perfect with Melo, but he still has a couple of extra years on Jokic. He's been to a conference finals, unlike Jokic. He's been to more playoffs, even if they were first-round exits. Uh, he's helped turn the Nuggets around, and it took Jokic a while to get to that point, though he has certainly turned the Nuggets around himself. So either way, had a good time. I hope you guys enjoyed that activity. We'll come up with some other recurring content over the course of the next couple of weeks. Already have something in the pipeline that we've been discussing as a staff, and I think that should be fun. Uh, I should have stat of the week out later this week as well. Uh, something about Michael Jordan, because I think that with the Michael Jordan documentary that just came out and aired on Sunday, it's definitely topical. So we'll get some clicks on that for sure. Let's get back to Tory Craig talking about his playoff viability, what his game looks like in a playoff setting. It probably looks a lot like it did last year especially if the Nuggets find the right matchup. Because in the right matchup, I really do think that even though Craig is just a defensive specialist, that defense is it can be very special. It can be the key difference in changing a series. Torrey Craig's insertion into the starting lineup last year 
that was one of the big reasons why the Nuggets were and were able to move on to the second round because he guarded DeMar DeRozan. It allowed Gary Harris to slide over to Derek White, and it, it freed up Jamal Murray to do a lot of the things that Nuggets fans were hoping he could do. Um, he had a great rest of the playoffs. Jamal Murray did. It was it was a little bit up and down here or there, and he had a couple of stinkers, but overall he played a lot better until that point. Uh, it, it became the Murray-Jokic show, and obviously Jokic did really well, and uh there is an opportunity for Craig to be that kind of guy again against a guy like DeMar DeRozan or Derek White. He also faced off against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Those are the right conditions. Those are the type of players that it would take for Torrey Craig to really have a significant role. Uh, He would be, he, I mean, here's the thing. He has to be defending a guy that is either starting or coming off the bench and is a star ball handling guard or wing that's shorter than six foot eight. Those are a lot of parameters, but I don't think he can guard the players that are taller than him that well. And I also don't think that there's a lot of utility for him if he's not defending on ball, because he's a much better on ball defender than he is an off ball defender. He can fall asleep a little bit. Um, he is a little bit slow coming around screens some of the time. So if he's being forced off ball, then it's it's a little bit more dangerous for Denver. That being said, there are a lot of guys that meet that criteria of the ball-handling star-type guard. Uh, the Clippers, even though they have Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, Paul George is somebody that Torrey Craig might be able to defend for a little bit, but I, I wouldn't count on it for an extended run. Uh, but they do have Lou Williams, and they did pick up Reggie Jackson from the Detroit Pistons off of the waiver wire. So there is definitely a role for a guy like Torrey Craig in that series. If he was able to stick with Lou Williams consistently, make him go three of ten from the field, or four of six, or four of sixteen, or uh, five of seventeen, or just just put up a crooked number in terms of the missed shots, that would be a really big thing for Denver because some of these games are won and lost on the margins, and Denver's obviously going to be a really... They have a high floor based off of their system. Uh, They're not going to blow teams out, and and Torrey Craig being out there certainly... like He's not going to be a part of a blowout, that's for sure. He's just not explosive enough of an offensive player. And Denver's defense around Torrey Craig... Paul Millsap's good, Nikola Jokic is good, Gary Harris is good, but they're all limited. So um, it would obviously be a closer game, but those margins are still really important. And if if he were to hold a guy like that down or a guy like Russell Westbrook or James Harden down, maybe Westbrook shoots 11 of 25 as opposed to 14 of 25, and the Nuggets can make up some of that defense without giving up too much on the offensive end in some of those situations. Or if it's James Harden, if he's shooting one of 16 from three like he's been known to do on occasion, then that's a win for Denver. They'd be in a really good position at that point to really steal a playoff series. Um, The problem is that even though the Clippers, the Rockets, the Jazz with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, the Thunder with Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander... Dennis Schroeder, guys like that. 
the real problems for Denver are still the elite wing types. So LeBron James on the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers, even Paul George on the Clippers. I'm not sure if Torrey Craig could defend him. It's, it's, it's very up in the air, we'll say. Um, and then the Mavericks with Luka Doncic. I, that, that was really borne out in the some of the previous matchups with, with the Mavericks. Torrey Craig started some games, and Luka Doncic was excellent in some of those games to the point where Jeremy Grant was the guy who was being switched on to him or Gary Harris or Will Barton or guys of that nature. Uh, they were getting the assignment just as much as Torrey Craig was. And if Torrey Craig's in the game, you want him to be fending the opposing team's best player or at least their best perimeter player because that's where his skill set shines the most. Craig wouldn't play 35 minutes in these playoffs or in a singular playoff game, but he would play a significant amount just because there are so many teams that have a guy that meets that criteria that Craig could definitely be deployed in. And that's something that Michael Malone would definitely do. He would start with Torrey Craig. He would, instead of going with Michael Porter Jr. and the guy that he doesn't feel like he could trust, he knows he can trust what Torrey Craig brings, and he's going to hope that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Will Barton pick up the slack offensively. That's a tough ask for those guys, and they it puts a lot of pressure on them for sure, but it would probably prevent Denver from getting a crooked number put up on them on the defensive end. Of course, as, as we talked about, the problem is that trade-off. Defense for offense is a tough thing, and Michael Malone will do that every time. He'll try and iron out the defense as much as possible. I'm on record saying that I think that the offense is far more important than the defense. I think you can put guys together that if they play well, if they play hard, if they play connected, if they know the playbook, then you can put together a top 15 offense or top to 15 defense pretty easily. Excuse the stuttering. Um, the defense can improve. Like, it's, it's definitely something that Denver could do. Michael Porter Jr. was one of the worst defenders in the NBA this past season, but he did show signs that he could improve. He, he has to be more focused. He has to read the court a little bit better and understand the situations that he's in. And he has to bulk up a little bit and fill out his frame because he was bullied a little bit at times. So that was an interesting part of that. Uh, Torrey Craig's never going to be bullied in those situations except by maybe a guy like Kawhi or LeBron. Like, that's just, that's unavoidable at that point. Um, But there's also no guarantee that the defense would improve with Torrey Craig out there just because teams could obviously go to other guys. And Denver has enough weaknesses on their team defensively that could could be exploited while keeping Torrey Craig and his man off ball. Like, let's say Russell Westbrook and James Harden are out there at the same time. Who does James Harden face? Does he face Torrey Craig? In which case, Russell Westbrook probably gets either Jamal Murray or Gary Harris, I would assume, or or Will Barton. I would assume probably Will Barton if Gary Harris is being benched. But it's not a great situation to be in, and it's a, it's pretty tough to expect that to go really well. So... Let's move on from that. That's that's enough talk about the playoffs. We may need we may not even get playoffs, so that's a that's a big deal there. 
Um, here's what I think is going to happen with Torrey Craig in 2020 free agency. He's a restricted free agent. He won't be the first priority for what Denver does. They're going to focus on getting Jeremy Grant back. They're going to pick between Paul Millsap or Mason Plumley, depending on what position they think they could fill out the best, what Paul Millsap will accept for contract money, uh, how much they give to Jeremy Grant. Because if they give a ton to Jeremy Grant, it would be tough to give a ton to Paul Millsap if you feel like backup center is what you really need. So either way, the Nuggets have about $30 million to spend below the luxury tax line and probably less due to the COVID-19 revenue loss that's about to occur. And because of that, I doubt Craig gets brought back. I think that if Jeremy Grant and one of Millsap or Plumley soak up about $20 million of that potentially $30 million, the Nuggets are going to have to choose between keeping Torrey Craig around or adding a fourth big man to their rotation. And if I were them, I would choose the fourth big man. I think it's really important to continue to have guys in that rotation that you feel comfortable with. You can't always go small. If you really like the Porter-Grant-Jokic lineup, then you're probably not playing Porter at the power forward a ton. You're probably not playing Grant at center a ton. It could happen. That could be a wrinkle, but I still think you need a fourth big, and I don't think all three of Grant, Millsap, and Plumlee will be brought back next to Jokic because it's it's just a, that's a tough allocation of resources. I think Denver needs a shooter. I think they need somebody on their bench who can really step up into a shooting role as a wing. Unfortunately, that player was probably going to be Malik Beasley, but he got good enough at the other stuff, and he was certainly craving a larger role than what he was going to be given, and he got too expensive, and Denver had to trade him, and he never really committed to the defensive end anyway. So that's going to be an interesting factor here. Um, I think the wing, whoever it is, has to be a guy who shoots and makes threes, uh, Craig shoots 33% from three. If Denver had a guy that shot 40%, how much would that change their bench offense this past year? If that guy can also defend his position reasonably well, how much does that change Denver's calculus going into next season and whether they can feel comfortable playing Michael Porter Jr. a ton? If they feel like they have to insulate him with a bunch of defenders, then maybe they keep Torrey Craig around. Maybe they feel like he's a guy who can make life easier on Porter. And maybe he can. Maybe the best thing for Denver is to really hope that Torrey Craig develops into the starting two guard. Uh, we'll see if that actually makes any sense and whether Gary Harris is going to be around or Will Barton will be around. I assume both of those guys are going to be back, though. I assume that the building of this Nuggets team is going to evolve around Murray, Porter, and Jokic long-term. Add Jeremy Grant into that as the power forward for the next few years. Add Monte Morris as the bench point guard if, if you want to invest in that. There's only so many positions that you can invest in. And if you're already committed to Harris or Barton as a, as a potential wing and as a starting wing or a backup wing, then... It's hard to have another backup wing with what Torrey Craig does being as limited as it is. And then if he wants actual rotation caliber money, I don't think Denver can offer that anyway. 
I don't think they're going to build the roster that way. I ju- it just doesn't make a lot of sense. You cycle guys that are relatively cheap around the stars <coughs> and the key contributors. Uh, as I talked about, Jokic, Murray, Porter, those are your key contributors. Those are your your stars. Uh, Monte Morris is a key contributor. Will Barton and Gary Harris, those are key contributors. Jeremy Grant, key contributor. Is Torrey Craig essential? I don't think he is. I don't think he's a guy that Denver looks at and says, we need to have that guy around in order to be a championship caliber team. And at that point, it, it could mean that he's gone. It could mean that they don't feel like they have to invest too much money to get him back. There are going to be other guys. There are going to be other options out there. Some of the players that I had just mentioned in this list, Justin Holiday played really well for Indiana. Doug McDermott also played well for Indiana. Both of those guys are going to be free agents. Derek Jones Jr. is going to be a free agent. Kyle Anderson's probably gettable from Memphis. Um, Alec Burks will be a free agent. Uh, I don't know about KCP. I think he's got a second year on his deal, but Trevor Ariza could be. Uh, there are, I mean, there are a lot of guys. You can you can find guys that are in Tory Craig's tier that may cost less. Or they could fit a little bit better. They could add a little bit more of that shooting dynamic. That would be a big thing for the Nuggets going forward, is if they had another guy that they could turn to off the bench that they could say, yes, you're going to play defense, but you're also going to shoot if you're open. You're also going to shoot and be a threat. Even if you're a little bit contested, force the defense to come out at you. That is where I think the Nuggets are going to look at this. They probably have a number in mind that they'll bring Torrey Craig back for. If he gets an opportunity in restricted free agency, that's a lot more than that or significantly more or even a little bit more than maybe they just don't match that number and say, hey, we have to let you go. Take the money. You're going to have a great time wherever you go. He deserves a rotation spot based off of what he did in the playoffs last year, based off of the work that he's put in. He's a grinder. He's a hustler. I don't hate Torrey Craig's game. I don't hate Torrey Craig at all. I just think for this Nuggets team, for the ideal team to build around Jokic, you need guys who can shoot. You need guys with length, and Torrey Craig does have that length, but I'm not sure he has enough shooting and really ball-handling basketball IQ passing instincts to really make it work. He at least hasn't shown that yet, so... We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. This free agency period for Denver is going to be really fascinating because if they bring back Torrey Craig, I think that says a lot about where they see Michael Porter Jr. right now. And if they bring back Will Barton and Gary Harris and Torrey Craig, that says even more about where they think about Michael Porter Jr. So I'm interested in seeing how that goes. I don't think it happens. I don't think they bring him back, but you never know. And Torrey Craig, if he's out, if he's playing, if he's doing well, all he has to do is get that three-point percentage up, and he's just a better player. He's a, a more valuable asset to every team. If he can prove that he can shoot 37 38% from three on consistent attempts, look out because he's got a future in the league. That'll do it for this episode of Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to tune in next week. I'll be doing a Paul Millsap breakdown. We're going to be saving the others for last. I'll do Paul Millsap next week, Mason Plumley the following week, uh, and then we'll do Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. after that. So 
Got a lot of content to look forward to. If you have any questions, if you have any players you want to talk about, if you have any other players outside of the Nuggets organization that you want me to explore, if they if they would fit on the Nuggets in the free agency period, then let me know. I'm more than open to filling that time. Uh, we have a lot to talk about and we've got a lot of time to talk about it. So make sure to keep it tuned in here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've listened to this all the way through, I really appreciate you and I will see you guys next week. Bye.